Hello, everyone. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. Author to Authors, brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. In fact, this month, uh, my interview I'm going to is is with Jason Mott. It's a video version of what you're getting today. This is the complete interview, unedited, but the video is going to be up there, uh, and it's up there now. Up there now for you to check out, and you can read it all, see it all on authormagazine.org. And we're funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. You can learn more about the PNWA and their conference and their competition and their classes all at pnwa.org. Well, I got a couple things happening in January. It's a new year, so I got a couple new offers. I'm doing a little one-on-one Fearless writing, a special one-on-one fearless, just you and me working out your troubles for the low price of $99 for a one-hour session. That's right. So if you want to, if you've liked these workshops I've done, if you like these podcasts and want a little one-on-one time, January 2022 is the time to do it. So head on over to williamcanower.com. You can sign up for that. I'm also going to be teaching a six-week memoir class uh, starting January 15th, and you can Online, of course, and you can sign up for that as well over at williamcanower.com. Okay, like I said, today's podcast is with the wonderful Jason Mott. He is a best-selling author, National Book Award winner, Sir Walter Raleigh Award for Fiction winner, Push Cart Prize nominee, and Carnegie Medals for Excellent Longlist nominee. His poetry and fiction has appeared in various literary journals, and Entertainment Weekly listed him as one of their 10 New Hollywood Next Wave people to watch. He is the author of two poetry collections. We call this thing Between Us Love and Hide Behind Me. And he is the author of four novels, The Returned, The Wonder of All Things, The Crossing, and Hell of a book. The Returned, uh, his debut novel, was adapted by Brad Pitt's production company and aired on the ABC network under the title The Resurrection. And his fourth novel, just out, hell of a book, won the 2021 National Book Award for fiction. And we had a great conversation about what it is to be Jason and, you know, and the sudden success he's had and been able to maintain. Anyway, great conversation. conversation. Can't wait to share it with you. Enjoy. Jason, Jason, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. All right. So let's see. This is novel number, hell of a book. Wait, let's move some paper. There it is. <laughs> hell of a book. Novel number three four. or four? Four. four. Okay. Number four. Um, it's doing great. You won National Book Award. Very exciting. Um, one of the first authors I interviewed had won the National Book Award for children's literature, and she didn't know what to make of it. She just <laughs> it's not, it didn't make any sense to her. I think it was her second book she'd ever written. Um, so we'll come back to that. But I just want to go, I want to back up a little bit. You do something unusual in hell of a book. Not actually, not unusual. In a certain way, you're writing about a writer, which is something writers right. can't seem to resist. <laughs> um, so I always assume there's some of your own biography in there, just because how can your writing life not commingle with your protagonists mm-hmm. you're someone who was a lover of stories from just 
before you can remember or did you do really did that evolve as you grew? No, yeah I, as far back as i can remember stories have just been a big part of my life um yeah and it, you know it, it evolved from you know mythology stories to comic books to literature that dealt with like historical figures and things like that so yeah just storytelling has always been something that's been a part of my life you said it started with mytho- mythological stories that often comic books usually start it and then that kind of stuff comes early. So tell me about those early, early stories. Yeah, I, I got really um, enamored with folklore mythology, Greek mythology, um, you know, How African, Japanese, like just any kind of mythological stories was something that just really resonated with me. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really find comic books until, I mean, obviously there's like Saturday morning cartoons, but like, yeah, yeah. I still remember like finding my actual first physical comic book in my aunt's like laundry room. It's like an issue of Silver Surfer. And I just completely read it and fell in love with the whole genre and then like just d- deep dived into the whole genre. Did you, um, did you, when did you think I'd like to tell some of these stories myself? It was, so it's funny because I know the exact moment. Um, oh. Yeah, I was about 14 years old. And okay. part of the reading assignment that we had done for class was like, there was a book full of excerpts from like different novels. And one of the excerpts was from John Gardner's Grendel. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. And I was, yep. I was a big fan of Beowulf, because like Beowulf was like the classic hero's tale, you kill the monster, you kill the dragon, you save the village, right. like, it's just, you know, it was just awesome. And when I read that excerpt from Grendel, it was like the concluding, ex- kind of the end of the novel. And it basically it made the character very sympathetic. Like this character that I had known for like years as being like just the villain, just the, the monster of the story right. turned into someone that I suddenly cared for and felt for and connected with. Um, and I remember feeling that, that sense of like the world had been turned on his ear. Yeah. And I said very clearly, I was, I was like, I want to make other people feel this way somehow. So I got to figure out how to be a writer. <laughs> that is so interesting. It's such, Jason, it is such a great way, I think, to start something like a, a life of a writer, which is, I had this great experience. I want other people to have that experience. You know, it's yeah, such, I think that's, yeah, it's beautiful I think that's the and selfless at its core. I mean, artists could be selfish. God knows. Yeah. Right? <laughs> we, right? We're narcissists yeah. and egomaniacs for sure. We can be, but you know, at that core, it's such a lovely human shared experience, isn't it? Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think that to me, I mean, that's really what it was. And like to this day, I'm still hoping that readers are somewhere. Some reader is like reading something I've written and like having that same moment where like they now want to become writers to make other people feel that way. Yeah. And, you know, it, it strikes me. I've always thought with I think all writing fiction in particular, where I've always felt and I think you're doing a, a certain amount of that in hell of a book, which messes with our mind a little bit, but, <laughs> but, but all fiction to some degree, tell me what you think, Jason, is every, is kind of like a magician as a storyteller in that you can't, you've got to kind of distract the reader so you can do what you want to do and they don't know what you're doing. Yes. So that you yes. can have the experience of like, whoa, oh, he just turned, he just flipped me around. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, exactly. Like the, the, the art of writing, I think is eventually learning how to anticipate your reader's expectations and to subvert them. Yes. And so it just, it takes so long to learn like what you're doing to someone and what they're expecting next, and then like change it and do something totally different. Like that's the, but that's, that's the goal. That's the challenge. (laughs) And of course the, one of the weird things is of course is not all readers are the same. Exactly. You know, not all readers have the same expectations. And so you mm-hmm. have to balance who do you think your reader is? Yep. Yep. Exactly. It's a it's a weird process because you you are like you have to always just concede to the fact that like 
there are going to be people who you don't connect with because like you're as you're shaping this thing to connect with these readers you're going to miss these other readers and you just kind of have to concede to that at some point in life and say well maybe next time i can write something hit those people there but this one's got to hit these people here well and of course in today's day and age those readers who you didn't connect with have a voice that they didn't 30 (laughs) years ago and they will express that voice to you. Yes, they will. (laughs) Yeah, they they definitely will. And that's their right. So, hey, more power to them. (laughs) Yeah, you're okay with that? You sound I am. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's the evolution of interactions and all those kinds of things. But I will admit, like I do, I tend to stay pretty far away from it. Like I don't read reviews, whether they're good or negative. I just, I never read reviews. Good. Um, One of my writing mentors decades ago taught me that. He's like, never read your reviews. Just, just don't read them. Who was it? I've kept up with that. Who was that? Um, It was David David Gessner, actually. Um, Because Gessner's philosophy is you either read none of them or you read all of them and become completely numb to it. Um, and so he's like, you got to pick which one you're going to do first. I chose the never read route. You know, I totally agree with you. And it's one of my passions that I would beg writers, like, don't dip into the waters of reviews. Cause I just don't think not only if, I would go a step further and say, don't just read, not read your reviews. Don't read any reviews. I feel like, <laughs> like then you're in the world of like what other people think of other people's yes. work matters. And it's like, mm-hmm. uh, right yeah and once that gets into your head if it colors the reading that you're going to do next and like yeah. so yeah I, I tend to avoid reviews in general um again like and this is not knocking reviewers or reviews like reviews good. function for a really great reason yep. like people should write reviews yep. but i just know as an author being on this side of the fence I, i've learned to just avoid them at certain times and kind of you know because they as a creative reviews can seriously get inside your head oh. so you have to kind of mitigate that yeah you can't you can't be writing for I wrote a book called Fearless Writing, which was based on the premise like that when you're writing, even though you're trying to invert your reader's expectation, and I totally mm-hmm. agree with that. There is a sense of like, you have to actually in a, another way, forget about the reader, forget about what they yes. like and don't like, or you'll don't try to please them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Even though you want to write something that pleases somebody somewhere you hope, but you also have to forget about them at the same time. Yeah. You have to figure out what you just, commit to the thing that you're trying to say. And again, accept the fact that there are going to be people for whom it does not connect. Right. And that's just, and that's okay. But like people get, get lost in trying to connect to every single person on the planet. And it's like, you can never do that. Like there's no book anywhere that just connects to every single person. And it's like, you got to accept that yours is not that book either. So just right. find your audience and write to them. I like to remind myself that when he was at the peak of his creative power and popularity, Bob Dylan was booed like every night that he played with an electric guitar they just booed him when he's kept going can you imagine getting booed every single night you went out yeah exactly exactly oh, but you just you know you do your thing you do your art and keep moving so speaking of that so every writer has to choose i don't choose their genre chooses them you write i think what would be termed literary fiction if it's going to be placed fair, somewhere yeah. right mm-hmm. but you know you could write anything you could write mysteries you write, you you dabble in you play around a little bit. It's not just quiet coming of age stories. You know, you're sure. messing around. Can you talk about that choice? Was it one that you had to make or was it just so natural you didn't even think about it? No. So I, I always knew that fiction, I, I you know, I, I kind of jokingly say fiction is the wife and like the others are like the romances I've kind of encountered along the way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like fiction, again, it goes back to when I was 14 I read John Gardner's story. Like 
I wanted to be John Gardner until I right. like him. So I, right. I committed to fiction early on. Right. Um, and then as I kind of grew older, like, you know, I found poetry and really fell in love with poetry for a while. And like, then yeah. after that, I found screenwriting. I enjoy screenwriting. But I always come back to poetry, like to fiction. Fiction is always the central core of my writing. The other things that I sample with and kind of test out are ways to improve my fiction. Like they, you know, you learn you learn a lot about dialogue and brevity through doing um, screenwriting. You learn a lot about efficiency through poetry. And so those kind of, you know, exercising in those realms help me come back to fiction and be more crisp in my fiction, I hope. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, poetry was so important to me in my evolution as a prose writer. Mm -hmm. and I felt like, and it's funny when people talk about being poetic, there's a kind of cliche about the sort of ornateness and I guess floweriness, floweriness right. of it. But in truth, yes. It's all about economy. Yes, exactly. And that it's, it's, it's an amazing economy. skill to like to, you know, to, ha to have that small space and say, this yeah. is this is the realm you can work in is this microcosm. Of yeah, things. you have to yeah. like do so much within that. But then when you can if you can if you can do that and then you come back to fiction, you have so much more control over what is happening right. in the paragraph and on the page that it's just is amazing. I always say I don't I, I teach writing sometimes, but I don't do the craft so much. But when I do, I would say I if I had to have one lesson about craft, it's, it's how much can you say in the least amount of time? Like yes. that's the question I'm often asking myself, how can I do it quicker? How can I do it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? I totally agree with that. Yeah. So your first novel. Okay. So your first novel, I don't know what was it published late 2000. Um, the returned was published in 2013. Okay. August 2013. 2013. So the returned is your first novel mm -hmm. published. Yes. Published. <laughs> the first published I'm assuming before that were all just garbage, but yes, the first were one they really garbage. Kids. Come on, no, they were really garbage. They were really? they were really garbage. Like I, you know, I, they were I garbage when you were writing that. them. You did, yeah, write. no. I mean, at the time, I thought they were brilliant because, like, when yeah. you finish something new, you think it's the best right. thing in human history, right? Um, but you know, they they didn't get published for a reason. Like, I submitted them to agents and editors and all that kind of good stuff, and yeah. they all kind of got passed over. And like. It was for a reason, like they were not there yet because, you know, oh, right, you have there. to learn to tell the long form. Like it's a learning process. So it, it took me those manuscripts to learn to become a writer. Yeah. And and how many were there? Um, there was at least four that I know of yeah. off the top of my All head. Right. When so I you were really involved. That's tough too. You know, that's, it's tough. I, I've been down that road and yeah. it's, you know, it's like the next one, the next one. And did you have many dark nights of the soul where you're like, what the? Am I, or are you just like, nope, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. No, no, I definitely had those dark nights. And it's, it's yeah. funny, like the, the story that where it gets to become a very like weird Hollywood narrative is like, um, <clears throat> when I wrote the returned, uh, and I sent it out, was querying agents and got, I got a bunch of rejection letters from agents. Right. Um, I was telling a friend of mine, I was like, you know, I think, I think maybe I should just kind of get this thing up. Like I've been trying it for, you know, years now and like, haven't gotten anywhere. And like, here's another manuscript. Manuscript number five is being rejected everywhere that I sent it. Um, and she kind of gave me the encouraging speech like you do in the movies, like, hey, just keep your chin up, keep going. Yeah. And literally a week later, ah. um, the person who would be my agent contacted me and picked up the return and all kind of things happened after that. You know, it's a be beautiful story. And it's one I've heard before. And I do think there is some whatever you believe about the universe and the way things come together. <laughs> I do think there is an important role in the idea of giving up that. Of yeah. like putting it on the table, asking yourself, do you really want this? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's a critical, I know several writers who've had that moment of like, maybe I, I had one myself where I was like, man, you can always stop. 
Yeah, and I, and I think that question comes from a it's a it's a strange question, but it's a bit of a rite of passage kind of question. Yeah, because ultimately your answer to that question has to be I'm going to keep writing even if I don't make it. That's like right. if that's not your answer, then writing is not for you, and that's, that's fair. Right. Yeah, it's not that's not a judgment. That's called just okay, cool, go do whatever else thing you want to do. Yes. So that question becomes this this litmus test almost to where it's like you come so close to quitting, but you don't, and right. that becomes the deciding factor. Well, so and the return does great, and it ends up getting turned into a movie or see a TV series. TV series, yeah, for like two seasons, um, which what was completely hell? wild. So there you are. You're probably working jobs of some. Yes, kind. I don't know if you. Were, <laughs> I did the day job waiting tables thing for a long time. I don't know if you tried to like teach or do like. No, I was answering calls at customer service. All right, so just like your guy, okay? Yeah, just like the guy in the book. All right, and so <laughs> you were doing the job, the day job thing, and now suddenly. Brad Pitt's company has contacted you and you're making a, what the hell was that? like? So really, what, what is that like? Are you able to get your head around it? Or are you just riding like a wave and say, I'm just going to figure it out as I go along? What's that? Like? Yes, that's exactly it. You just kind of ride the wave and just try to figure it out as you go along. Like there's a, there's a massive learning curve in, in being, you know, being a, a writer who hasn't broken through yet. Everyone can figure out how to do that. Like something you're, you're used to, <laughs> right, right. That's, that's, that's the norm. You're used to that. But then when you have the, the breakthrough moment, that's even bigger than you dared imagine it would be. There's a steep learning curve on how to like, how to keep being a writer after you kind of gone to being an author. Yep. Um, Cause there's a writer and then there's author and like the author's life is actually different than just the writer's life. That's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there was a pretty steep and sharp learning curve that I had to kind of work through and nobody can prepare you. For, I mean, they can try to prepare you for it, but you're yeah. just like, I just want to cross this one threshold and mm-hmm. I don't care what's on the other side, but then you got on the other side. There's all this stuff on the other side. Yeah. There's all this stuff and you didn't, you didn't anticipate it. You don't know what to do with it. And like, you're just trying to navigate the best you can. And like, you know, hope that hope that the ride doesn't end. That's all you're doing is like, <laughs> I got to make all the decisions to keep this train going for as long as possible. But do you think because it takes a few years to write a book or at least months, but so yes. you probably write and submit four. We're talking some years. So you're not a kid anymore. And right. so maybe being a grown up, my wife always said, Bill, if you'd gotten famous when you wanted to be, I think you would have died. I don't think you would have made it. <laughs> I think it would have killed. Do you ever feel like maybe those years served you a little bit when you had to be a grown up in this world of being an author? No, th- those years always serve you like that. That's the part that, you know, I, sometimes I teach um, grad students or undergrad and, and like one of the things I try to impart to them is like one of the hard lessons that I had to learn and like that all writers eventually have to learn is there will be points in your journey when you're just not there yet. And that is the cold yeah. reality. It's like yeah. you're the best writer you can be for now, but that still isn't quite enough to get you to that place you want to be. Yeah. And so you just have to have to keep going and going. So you kind of hit that mark, you know, it's like, if, you're, if your goal is to be a marathon runner, there will be a point where you cannot run 26 miles. You just can't make it. You <laughs> physically can't do it. Right, right. And so you can't say, oh, well, if I can't run you know, the marathon now, I just quit. It's like, no, you have to build up to it. You gotta, your body has to learn to do it. And it's the same thing with writing. Like, There's a point where the success that you want, your skill set isn't developed for that yet. And that's okay. That's, that is a point of growth. Like That's how it happens. Yeah. But you keep writing and you grow and then they, the world catches up, I think. It does. If you, if you can be, you know, it really helps to be kind to yourself, doesn't it? Yes. It That's my biggest God. lesson to people is like, be, be as kind to yourself as you would be to someone else who gave you their work. Yes. To yes. It's so easy to think I'll just be really hard on myself and I'll get yeah. better. And it, yes, just, <laughs> it it's like work. having a guy waiting for you at your desk going to yell at you like a drill sergeant the whole time you're right. <laughs> it actually wouldn't help, would it? No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So hell of a book. 
you know, I, you know, kudos just for having the cojones to name it that I'm sure, you know, there was a, Oh, but I mean, come on. It's, that is completely my agent. That was not my idea. At really? all. I want to say that up front. Like, okay. I right. am not that guy to call just to be, have that, that level of like arrogance to call your book that um, I, my agent I, made that decision after. And I, I fought her on it for like a week. All right. And then finally just, I, I had nothing better that I could come up with because I'm terrible at titles. And so we really? ran with that and it just happened to work out. <laughs> well, that's interesting. So you have trouble, you don't like titling is, is I've never titled week. a single thing, a single book that I've written. I have never titled. Really? Um, all of my novels have been titled by someone else, either my agent or an editor. I, I cannot pick titles to save my life. <laughs> that is a great trivial pursuit question when you're when you're when your notoriety is enough that you can be included in that <laughs> what a famous american author say all right so you didn't title it that but um what about the subtitle the sort of subtitle to it was that that yours? was all mine and that's that was yours why it's tucked okay. away hidden away because no one can see it because it's so terrible right. um but yeah that was all mine like because at that point i you know it was late in the process and I knew that the absurdism of the novel was something I wanted to lean into. So I was like, I want to have this really long, absurd title. Right. I was like, I know it's not going to be the main title. We can pick whatever we want for the main title, but I've <laughs> got to commit this in here. We're like, it's this just fun, bizarre, strange title. And there it was. <laughs> well, okay. So I should say to our, our viewers, uh, well, this is a, a funny book. Uh, it's uh, and incredibly readable. Um, that was my experience of it. Um, Good. Just just uh, the voice is really strong and um but you know he's a uh, you've chosen a um un a protagonist who's maybe believe trustworthy <laughs> maybe not and so I, did you go in with the sort of i, I don't want to give away anything about the story but sure it, it plays some games with the reader's head a little bit in terms mm -hmm. of reality and was that part of a goal like i love the feeling of that not quite meta but we're breaking down walls a little bit or did that just evolve sort of you realize what you were doing as you were writing it? No, that was that was something that I kind of knew pretty early on I wanted to do because mm -hmm. um, that's something I've always enjoyed doing my writing. And I haven't had I haven't done it enough. It's one of the things where like I kept saying with well, the next book, I'll do the wild, like absurd right. meta thing. And like then the next book and like it was just these missed opportunities. And I finally decided, like, no, this is going to be the opportunity. I'm going to take this book and make it my baby and make it strange yeah. and weird and unique and make it the thing I've been trying to make it for a long time. Um, so it was just and it was funny because like I just kept throwing things into the book and being like, I've got to cut this out at some point. And they just kept they, they kept working somehow. They would mail together and be like, oh, this works. Like, OK, keep going. Wow. <laughs> it was a strange wow. gumbo. It was a strange gumbo to, to make. <laughs> I like it. A strange gumbo. I like that. So you. And so, and so it came together. and were you satisfied? Do you feel like, I mean, you always can, you always, no, I maybe, I always feel like I can do better. Even when I really like it, I feel like I can do, oh, yeah. or I'm thinking about the next thing maybe, but were you pretty satisfied with like, oh yeah, that's the kind of cool, odd meta book I've been, that's, that did it. Yeah, I was like, I was really satisfied with it. I mean, of course, like you said, like, there's always something I could change. And like, when I, when I read the book now, there's always like a few line edits I would make and a few small changes sure. here and there. Sure. <clears throat> for the most part like it really did become the the strange bird that i kind of always envisioned it being um which Good. is why i was even more surprised that the book even sold to a publisher and then as it kept doing well i was even more and more surprised and more shocked because there was a point in the writing when i was like about to send it to my agent so like no one had really read it yet right. i was talking to a friend about it i said i said no one's gonna read this book it's too weird it's too strange like this is so bizarre how do you oh that's interesting you put that 
funky mojo out there to where no one's going to read it and it doesn't obstruct the book actually being read. You didn't get in its way. Yeah, exactly. Simultaneously, <laughs> right? You must have one hand thought no one will like and the other thought, but it's so cool. But no, one Yeah, like, there was that because like, like I... I could see what the book was doing. Obviously, you know, I wrote it, so I could right. see all the things it was doing. But I felt I was worried that it was just it was reaching too far, too fast. Because yeah. yeah. to me, the book is a it's like a fun house. You go into it, and like there are yeah. all these things that are happening. But the book wants to lead you through the fun house in a very specific right. way. And so my worry was that like oh, I'm just losing people. Like this started out with 20 people, now we're down to five people. Just disappear <laughs> in like. But then somehow, like, people kept finding their way through it and people kept finding themselves in it, which was great. That's great. Gratifying, I assume. Yes, um, very, very gratifying. Gets um, the was... award, which is nice. I always think awards awards are weird, <laughs> but I feel like they open up great opportunities for artists. You know, it, yes, it just, they don't. I mean, it seems to me that's one of their the less aside from stroking your ego if it needs stroking right. it does open, you know and we all maybe need that but it seems like it opens up some opportunities that maybe didn't otherwise exist it does um i think that's been really surprising like i think i've i underestimated just how many opportunities like national book award does open yeah. up yeah. <clears throat> and it's funny because we were talking i was talking to the other so like the week after the awards we were all on a Zoom call. All the winners were on a Zoom call for the Miami Day Book Festival. Right. And so before right. we were just kind of backstage talking and everyone was like, did you expect it to be this big and this insane? And it was like, no, like what's going on? And it's because there's so many doors that suddenly open up for your yeah. work and like so many audiences that you never thought you could reach that are suddenly reading yeah. your book. Um, it's really wonderful. It's really terrific. I, I remember interviewing the guy who wrote Griffin and Sabine, which was that interesting art books that came out in the, 90s i think and they just blew up for a little bit he said to me he said the thing i love about how much success i had with those books is i don't have to try as hard now when i have a new project <laughs> people would say sure yeah yeah <laughs> you wrote that book exactly so maybe, maybe that'll be the case for you i hope that is the case for your next one i hope that i hope so as well i definitely hope so as well well it's a great book it's a hell of a book I, you know, it's, <laughs> now you have no choice but to to describe it that way as a person. I still refuse to. I still refuse to describe it that way. (laughs) Good for you. Stand on something. Uh, (laughs) I did enjoy it. And it's, it's, you know, I love a book that can do all these experimental things and be so immensely readable at the same time. Cause sometimes you can get lost so much in the experience. Yes, exactly. And I think you did that. So good on you. Congrats. Thank you. uh, So, um, all right. I got, one more question for you, Jason. And what I want you to do is put your thinking cap on and uh, answer. finish this sentence. Oh, if, boy. Yeah. If writing, all the writing you've done in your life has taught you anything, it's taught you what? To be kind to myself. <clears throat> yeah, kind of going back where we were a moment ago. Like, it's taught me to be kind to myself because um, I've seen, you know, I see all my flaws and my worries and my fears and all the things that stress me out are in my writing somewhere hidden. And so I've just learned to like, learn to be kind to myself because the world is hard on you already. So just be kind to myself. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. It's really good advice, actually. Be kind to yourself. You know, you got to make your mind a friendly destination. Just you and your imagination and that page better make it friendly. So be kind. Jason is correct. Hey, I want to thank my producer, RJ Jeffries. Thank you as always. And I want to thank all of you. Hope you're having a great new year. Come on. Good new year. Let's start it right. Let's dive in. Let's sink our teeth in. 
Let's enjoy it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go find something you love to do, everybody, and do it. 